All right, I want you to turn to 1 Samuel 16 and then put a marker at 2 Samuel 15. So open your Bibles to 1 Samuel 16 and then put a marker at 2 Samuel 15. I know those are so closely related, maybe a little difficult to remember. 1 Samuel 16, 2 Samuel 15. And uh, this is the third part of a three-week series called, Why Am I Here? And the title of today's message is, My Career Calling. Now, um, let me tell you something that happened. The Lord on sabbatical, as I began praying, I felt like gave me these three messages for these three weeks. And, and before anyone else knew, before anyone knew, uh, someone on our staff who was leaving to go to, to law school uh, sent me an email saying thank you for the time I could serve on staff. I'm, I'm going to law school, be leaving, you know, pretty soon. And he had, here's one line in his email. He said, I know it is time for my calling and career to align, but I'm so thankful to have had the opportunity to, opportunity to serve my home church. Now, if you've been here for the series, hopefully you put that together, that we all serve because we're believers we all have some sort of calling and we have a career. And, and I read that and, I, and he didn't know where I was going and it was like confirmation to me that the Lord had spoken to me. And so let me tell you how I do this to help you understand why, where I'm going to go today. I get the, uh, a series and I kind of lay out, you know, the, the titles or the directions for the messages, but I don't actually study for that particular message until that week. Because I feel like that's the way that the burden is created in me that week for what God wants to say that weekend. But the first two, talking about my Christian calling and my committed calling, I already had a direction of where I would go. But for this third one, my career calling, I didn't have a direction at all. I just thought, well, you know, everyone will have some sort of a career, no matter what that is. And uh, whether it's working outside the home or working in the home, but still a career. And uh, so, th th God will show me. And then, as I'm studying, sometimes I'll see a verse, and I think, well, that would be good for the third message in this series, or maybe if I'm doing a six-week series, that might be good for the fifth message. And I already have a file on each week, and so I'll put that verse there. So, on this week, uh, I had put one verse in this file. And as I begin to think and pray about it, I started thinking, my career calling, my career calling. Now, God, do you want me to preach on, like, how to know your career? And because I'm not really a, you know, a, a guidance counselor. And, and most people already know their career, and they're, they're in their career. I mean, it, the young, some of the young people would be like, great, tell me how I can know my career. So what are you saying? And the Lord began to show me that what he was referring to when he gave me this word was our life calling, our specific purpose uh, for being on earth. In other words, why am I here? Not just why are we here, why, why am I here? For my whole life, what does God have for me? Yes, to be a believer and serve. Yes, yeah, we have gifts and we, 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 we have some sort of ministry God's given us, but what's my life purpose? And that's really what began to happen. So. I, I was excited to sit down then and open the file to see what scriptures and notes I'd already made on this message. And before we get to uh, 1 Samuel 16, 
I only had one scripture in the file, and this was it. Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. And I read that scripture and I thought, hmm, I wonder why I put that in there. And I had no clue. But as I began to read over it again and again, I realized that's the summary of the three-week series. There are the three callings right there. Let me show it to you again. It says, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's, as, as a believer, we're all called to, think, to serve Christ. Called to be an apostle. That's his gift and his ministry he committed to. But here's the last one, his career or his life calling, his purpose separated to the gospel of God. In other words, God has separated me or set me apart to the gospel. That's my life purpose. I, I do want you to notice this, the, a bond servant, because in, in Hebrew, in, in Jewish tradition, what that meant was uh, if a Hebrew person sold himself to another Hebrew and for a debt, at the end of six years, in that seventh year, all debts were canceled. And so he said, you're supposed to let him go free at that point, cancel his debt. But if he says, I'd rather be your servant, I love you and I love your house and I love serving here, then he becomes a bond servant or a servant for life. And in essence, what Paul is saying is, I've chosen to serve Jesus Christ. And the reason I wanted to bring that up is because Christ has canceled your debt. He's canceled your debt on the cross. But have you chosen to be a servant of God, a servant of Christ. And that's what Paul is saying. So, uh, we got a bond servant. That's his, his, as a believer. Then called to be an apostle. That's his ministry. But separated to the gospel. In other words, he said, my purpose is to spread the good news for the rest of my life. That's my life purpose. So, I'm asking you, well, what is your purpose? Do you know why you are on this earth? Do you know specifically why? For instance, I'm a believer. I've given my life to Jesus. I'm talking about me personally now. I'm a pastor. That's my calling uh, on this earth. There will probably be a time that I'll step out of the pastorate, you know, years from now, and step into more of an apostolic ministry. Uh, uh, by the way, you don't have to call me Apostle Robert at that time, okay? <laughs> pastor will still be fine. But I know what my purpose is. And toward the end of the message, I'm going to tell you what my purpose is because your purpose never changes. It never changes. But seasons change and you do have seasons in your life. So I want to help you. So before I tell you uh, what your purpose is, I have three points again, but I want to tell you two things that your purpose is not. That's very important to understand. So here's number one. Your purpose is not your position. Your purpose is not your position. Another way to say that is your identity is not your position, no matter what your position is. All right, 1 Samuel 16, if you're there, let me show you. This is where Samuel comes to anoint David as king, all right? 1 Samuel 16, verse 10 says, Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? 
And then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy. The word ruddy means red. Uh, Some say David had red hair. Uh, Some refer to that he probably had red skin because of being a shepherd and being outside so much. But that's, that's what the word ruddy means. It just means red. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. I relate to David a lot. And uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm just joking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Okay. So um, if you were a young person and you were wondering what your career was going to be, uh, how cool would it be for the prophet of God, the prophet of God at that time, to show up and tell you what your career was. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And he got a pretty cool career too, you know? He said, uh, okay, let's see, your career, uh, you're going to get to be the boss of everyone. Now, you don't want to admit it, but several of you would like to be the boss of everyone. (laughs) Uh, You're going to be the boss of everyone. Now, again, these words aren't in the text. I'm just kind of surmising this because I want to make a point from this. You know, uh, you're you're going to get to be the king. Uh, You're going to be rich. Uh, You're going to have servants. And you're going to live in a castle. But I wonder what would have happened if Samuel would have, while he was turning leave, made this statement. And people are going to try to kill you for the rest of your life. (laughs) And David might have said, whoa, wait, 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 wait. (laughs) Uh, What did you say? I said you're going to get to be the king. Yeah, yeah, after that. Rich, servants, and the castle. Yeah, after that. The part about people trying to kill me for the rest of my life. See, Samuel didn't tell him that. When God gave Joseph the dream of his brothers bowing down, God conveniently left out the part about slavery and prison. (laughs) So you say, well, well, why are you, you telling me that? Because I'm telling you that you're going to go through seasons, and some of them you won't like. Uh, Even David, when we talk about a career, he had several different jobs before he was king. He was a shepherd. Uh, He was a musician. He actually became a musician for Saul. Uh, He was in the military, and then he became king. But he went through seasons. So no matter what your life calling is, there are seasons. Let, let me give you an example. Let's say that your, your, the, your life calling, one of, the, one of the primary purposes you're on this earth is to be a mom, which is a huge high calling. And, and when you think about how generations get more evil from generation to generation, we need more godly moms and dads, right? So it's a high, it's a high calling. So let's just say that's, that's a calling. You, you feel like this is a life purpose for me. Okay. Well, you're going to go through seasons. Uh, you're going to have you, the season of young children. Uh, um, James, my son, and his wife, Bridget, have uh, two boys uh, that I told you about, Parker. By the way, I told you how Parker kept saying, me, 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 want to, me, want to. Uh, my wife, Debbie, got him to say I. He's now saying I, so, um, which is amazing to me. So, but anyway, <laughs> I didn't get to do it, so she did, or me didn't get to. So, anyway... Um, <laughs> But they're, they're in this season of young 
kids right now. Now, something you need to know about Bridget is James loves the outdoors, but Bridget does too. She loves the outdoors. Matter of fact, when they were dating, uh, Bridget said, could you, to James, because she knew he fished, could you teach my younger brother, you know, how to fish? And James said, sure. So they went to a lake and James knew it was bad weather, bad day, bad moon. It wasn't going, it was probably what, they probably were not going up. It's a tough day to catch a bass because you got to really know what you're doing. They're pretty smart. So he tried everything he could to get Bridget's brother to catch a bass. And he said, well, it's tough. It's probably not going to happen today. In two, three hours, no, no, no fish. And then she said, he was telling me this story. She said, well, uh, I know it's bad weather and all stuff, but you know, could you catch a bass? Could you catch a bass? And, uh, James said, you know, I thought to myself, is Jesus Lord? You know, so, but anyway. <laughs> yes, I can catch a bass, you know, no matter what the sea, I can, and he can. So, so he went to another part of the lake, changed baits, changed his technique, everything that he knew how to do, and in a few minutes caught a five-pound bass. And so he's holding this bass up to Bridget, his, the girl he's dating at that time, and he said, look at that. She said, that is a beautiful bass. That's gorgeous. And he said, all of a sudden, I just said to her, you want to hold it? <laughs> and she said, yes, and reached out and grabbed the bass. He said, that at that moment, I knew I was in love. <laughs> he said, when you're dating a gorgeous woman and she'll hold a bass, you're in love. <laughs> so, so she loves the outdoors like he does. But with two small children... She can't always go. And sometimes, you know, he'll keep the children and she'll go. And, but I was talking to them a while back and I said, you're just in a season. You're in a season and this season will pass. But you're in a season now. So you have, you have young children, you have a time when they start school, a season. You'll have a, a season uh, when they become teenagers. <clears throat> God help you. Um, You'll have a, a, a season where they go to college. You'll have a season where you're helping them finding a mate and praying about that. You'll have a season where they get married and leave home. You'll have a season uh, where they have young children. You'll have a season where your children have teenagers. <coughs> God help them. Um, I'm sorry. Anytime I say the word teenager, God help, it just kind of comes out. But you'll go through seasons, Okay. So the first thing I need you to know is your purpose is not your position at the time. Let me say it another way. If you don't like your boss right now and you don't like your job, it'll pass. It's just a season. And you need to ask God what he's trying to teach you. Because if you don't learn it with this boss, you'll get one even worse. So there are seasons. David was the king, but he went through seasons, all right? So here's, here's number two. Your purpose is not your provision. Your purpose is not your provision. Now, as we talk about purpose, we're talking about career. So a lot of times your purpose lines up with your career. Sometimes it doesn't, but sometimes it does. But you need to know your job is not your provision. God is your provision. And I don't do just mean your, your financial provision. I mean, God provides everything we need. He'll provide the right spouse if we'll wait. He'll provide the right house at the right time. He provides the right job. He provides. 
But we have to know that God is our provider. Now, 2 Samuel 15, if you have your Bible open there. 2 Samuel 15, uh, let me show you a season in David's life after he's king. He had a son named Absalom. And look at verse 1, 2 Samuel 15, verse 1. After this, it happened that Absalom provided himself. It just happens that God led me to this passage, and here's the word provided. He provided himself. God didn't provide it for him. With chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. Now Absalom would rise early and stand beside the way to the gate. So it was whenever anyone who had a lawsuit came to the king for a decision that Absalom would call to him and say, what city are you from? And he would say, your servant is from such and such a tribe of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, look, your case is good and right, but there's no deputy of the king to hear you. Moreover, Absalom would say, oh, that I were made a judge in the land and everyone who has any suit or cause would come to me and then I would give him justice. And so it was whenever anyone came near to bow down to him that he would put out his hand and take him and kiss him. In this manner, Absalom acted toward all Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. So David's got a coup on his hands. It's happening. And, and Absalom, by the way, did this for many, many years, it says. Um, Absalom was trying to provide a position and a purpose for himself instead of letting God provide his position and his purpose. By the way, um, if you have to manipulate to get it, you'll have to manipulate to keep it. But if God gives it to you, no one can take it away from you. It's a whole lot better to let God raise up one and put down another. Uh, Asaph, the chief musician, wrote, you know, promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. It comes from the Lord. And he was the chief musician under David, so I'm sure he learned that from David. Listen, God is the one that promotes. Okay, so Absalom creates this coup, uh, goes to Hebron, and declares himself king. And after this, David, he leaves the city. Now, you've got to remember, this is a great warrior. But he's trusting God as his provision. So he leaves the city. Now, while he's leaving the city, there's a famous story that a lot of people know. Shimei, this guy named Shimei, uh, throws rocks at David and curses him. And Abishai, who's Joab's brother, one of the David's uh, mighty men, today we'd say David's tough dudes, one of David's tough dudes, uh, said, who is this dead dog to curse the king? And then he says, let me go over and take his head off. Uh, you can read it. Let me, go, let me go take his head off. And that's what he said. And here's the thing, uh, hopefully you, you know this, he could have done it. Abishai could have done it. He could have done it. And David said, no, maybe God sent him. We'll just trust the Lord. Okay, a lot of people know that story. I even said to, to my wife when I was talking about this, Debbie, I said, uh, do you remember what happened when David was leaving? And she said, but that guy cursed him and threw rocks at him. I said, yeah. But do you know what happened with the Ark of the Covenant? She said, no, I don't. I've never, never heard that law. Now, you've got to remember that the Ark of the Covenant was where God dwelt. It wasn't representative of the presence of God. It is where God dwelt. He, it says he dwelt between the wings of the cherubim. When you had the Ark of the Covenant in your camp, you won. When you didn't, you didn't. 
So you would think if, if someone's coming after you to kill you, you'd take the ark with you, right? By the way, this is the, the ark that uh, Indiana Jones discovered in 1981. There's a, a movie about it. So, so let me show you, though, how David knew God was his provision. This is absolutely phenomenal to me. 2 Samuel 15, verses 25 and 26. Then the king said to Zadok, carry the ark of God back into the city. If I found favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and show me both it and his dwelling place. But if he says thus, I have no delight in him, then here I am. If I have no delight in you, then here I am. Let him do to me as seems good to him. That's amazing to me. I, I, I would take the ark with me. And when Absalom came, I'd be standing right beside it. But he said, listen, God will take, God's in control. The ark needs to be, stay with the people. The presence of God needs to stay with the people. And if God wants to bring me back as the people's leader, God will take care of it. He's big enough. So this is God's in control, you see. Um, Debbie and I have talked about this, and she's gotten through. She's won the battle in this area. But it was, she's had some tough times. Because uh, all of our children, uh, uh, all the guys, work at the church. Two sons and a son-in-law, and I consider Ethan my son, part of our family now. Uh, but they never planned to work at the church. Uh, Josh got a degree in film, never planned to go in the ministry. He's one of our pastors now. Uh, James uh, studied business and went into business, and then he's in our stewardship department. And Ethan uh, got a degree in accounting and used to work at Ernst & Young, and now he's our young adults pastor. Okay. There are times when something, well, they'll be a little frustrated about something, and Debbie will hear it from the girls, and she'll say to me, uh, did you know what so-and-so's going through? And I say, yeah, I know. She'll say, well, uh, you're the boss, <laughs> you know? And I've had to say to her, but Debbie, I, I don't do that. I have 680 employees. And you, you, I, I set the system up this way. Okay, no one else set it up. I'm the one that started it in my house, okay? I set it up where I don't set my kids' positions or salaries. And let me tell you two reasons why I did that. And here's the second one. This isn't the first one. The second one is I trust the team. I really do trust the people around me. But the first one is I trust God. God's big enough. If there's a boss... It's mistreating one of my kids. God's big enough. He's big enough to take care of it. You, you need to know something. No one can thwart your destiny but you. No boss. No company. No person. Actually, there's only one person that can mess up your destiny, and that's you. But no one else can. David understood that, that his purpose was not his provision. God was his provision. So, and here's number three. Your purpose is your pursuit. This is what it is. It's what you pursue. Now, obviously, we pursue God. What we pursue, serving God. We pursue loving God. We pursue what God's call is on our lives. Here's a great scripture. Acts 13, verse 36. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep, and was laid with his fathers. He served the purpose of God for his generation. 
But there was a time, we're, we're all familiar with it, when David messed up. Let me tell you why he messed up. He quit pursuing his purpose, the purpose of God that was on his life. Uh, let me read it to you. 2 Samuel 11, verses 1 and 2. It happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings, David's the king, go out to battle, that David sent, notice he didn't go, sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. And then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and that woman was very beautiful to behold. If David had been pursuing the purpose of God on his life, he never would have even seen Bathsheba. Here's the reason I think that we stop pursuing the purpose of God. It's because we go through seasons and we accomplish something and we don't go back to God then for what the next season is for our life. Let me, let me use a term that a lot of people use. It's, uh, we call it midlife crisis. It's like, well, I've done all this. I really don't know what else I'm supposed to do and I'm not getting any meaning. So you gotta understand, you don't get meaning out of your career, you get meaning out of your relationship with God. And you, and you go through a midlife crisis. Actually, what you're going through is a change in season. And you need to go back, back and ask God, God, what's next for me? What do you have for me? Uh, I, I feel like personally I've been through two midlife crises. crises. I, I, I feel like that you go, that you go through more than one. Uh, the first one was a few years before I planted Gateway Church. I was an associate pastor at Shady Grove Church, which is our Grand Prairie campus, and I, was, I started getting bored. It was the change of a season, I, I, and I just started, I didn't know what God had for me. I remember I, I, I became a really good golfer during that time, <laughs> uh, and I bought a Corvette. <laughs> and I remember saying to Debbie, I've always wanted a Corvette, can I buy a Corvette? And uh, she said, yes, if you don't start unbuttoning your shirt and wearing gold chains. <laughs> And so I bought the Corvette, but never wore the gold chains, okay? And I, I, was, I, was, uh, I was serving God, but I just felt like I can't accomplish any more where I am in this position, and I don't know what God has for me next. And so Pastor Olin, he's a great pastor. He's one of our apostolic elders now. Pastor Olin was, was, was meeting with all of the, the elders and saying, where do you want to be in five years, and what's God saying to you? And so he was asking the spouses as well. And so he said to Debbie, he asked Debbie, and she said something, and she had not told me this. And I remember afterwards, I said, why, why have you not told me that? She said, I didn't know it. I didn't know it until it just came out. But he asked her, you know, about my, my future, and she said, I'm concerned. I'm very concerned. And he said, why are you concerned? And she said, because Robert, for the first time since he's been saved, has lost his passion for ministry. He's always been passionate about ministering to people, always. But because he doesn't feel challenged right now, he's lost his passion for ministry. And then she said this, and I'm afraid, because he's lost his passion for ministry, and I've never seen this, I'm afraid that next he'll lose his passion for the Lord. And then he'll lose his passion for me. It was a wake-up call for me. 
And we went home that night. We stayed up most of the night talking. And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm not going to do that. So here's what I did. I began to pursue my purpose in prayer. I wasn't trying to get an advancement or trying to figure out a promotion or, or if I should plant a church or go be a senior pastor. I just began to pursue it in prayer. And that's when God, a few, after that, about a year later, spoke to me about Gateway Church. But something had changed in my heart because God called me back to, to my purpose. And let me tell you what my purpose is to, so maybe it'll help you. My purpose is to help people develop an intimate relationship with God. That's my life purpose, to help people develop an intimate relationship with God. And I know that. And that's what excites me. That thrills me. That, that, I mean, more than anything. I'll tell you about a, a conversation I had sitting on the beach with a couple b- beside us when we were on vacation. And uh, it wasn't work for me. I was helping them develop an intimate relationship with God. And um, I told you, I, I feel like I've gone through two midlife crises. I feel like I've gone through another one in the last couple of years. Because I begin to say, God, what's next? What's next for me? Because I know you put in my heart to, to build, obviously God builds his church, but to use me to build a, a large apostolic influential church in the world. And I've done that. And you put it in my heart to, to preach the word through uh, television and to really reach out. And our television ministry is, has become very successful and is doing great. And you put it in my heart to write best-selling books. I, I, that was it specifically my prayer, because if you write a book and only three people read it, you know, you hadn't helped a lot. So, you know, your wife and your kids read it. Okay, great. So, but I wasn't doing it for, for financial reasons, but to, to books, and, and most of you know, because of like my best-selling book, I've given all the royalties away to, and that is in the millions of dollars. So it was, Lord, what now? Those were like three goals I had to really, to build the church gateway to where it would really be an influential church in the world and the television ministry and then books. And so I've been asking the Lord for a couple of years, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And this sabbatical, he answered me. You know what he said to me? He said, son, you've confused goals with purpose. And yes, you've reached some goals, but your purpose is the same. And now you need to ask me what the next goals are. And he gave me three goals on sabbatical and I'll just list them out to you, but uh, preaching, number one, is preaching and teaching God's Word. I, I love to preach and teach God's Word. Two, inspiring pastors and leaders. That floats my boat or downloads my app. I don't know how you want to say it for your, <laughs> your generation. Inspiring pastors and leaders. I love to do that. And three, mentoring the next generation. And that, these three goals get me excited for the next 10 or 15 years, whatever it is, you know. I've got to do this. Now, here's what I, I want to tell you. I wrote these down. I, wrote, I have these written down. I heard from the Lord. I'm excited. I'm passionate. But I can't write your purpose down for you. And I can't tell you what it is. Uh, Habakkuk 2.2, uh, you know, he says, write the vision and make it plain. But verse 1, he talks about, so I set myself apart and I spent time with God. Okay, I can't do that for you. But before God ever gave him the vision to write, he had to spend time with God. 
So I, I, I want you to know something. God has a specific answer to the question, why am I here, God? He has a specific answer, but he's the only one that can give it to you. And let me tell you one more thing that happened this past year. My son, you know, was going to go into business and a couple of years ago began to feel the call to ministry and, and begin working our stewardship ministry. And this uh, past spring, someone offered him to come back into business. And uh, just so you understand, um, he, did, he, he, he has a lot of talent. And they offered him twice the salary he was making here and part ownership in the company. So it was a, a good offer. And so he's praying, God, what do I do? Do I stay in ministry? Do I go back into business? And it was a, a Friday that he met with this person. He told him, I'm going to pray over the weekend, and on Monday I'll, I'll get back with you, let you know whether I want to pursue our discussions further. So on Sunday, he's a pastor now, you know, a stewardship pastor. He was at one of our campuses, and we were doing baptism that weekend. And let me back up just a little bit before I tell you what happened on that Sunday. A few months before, he was at altar ministry, and this lady came forward, and she said, uh, I'm in the process of a divorce, and I want you to pray that God gives me a good husband. And you have to know James, my son, he's a little uh, straightforward. He said, uh, back the bus up, lady. <laughs> what do you mean you're in the process of divorce? She said, well, I attend here and my husband attends here, uh, but we, we, we're, we just have decided we're not right for each other and we're getting a divorce, but I want to pray that, I want you to pray that, you know, God will give me a godly husband. And James said, no, I will not pray that. But he said, I want to meet with you and I want to meet with your husband. So he met with him for a couple of months. They stopped the divorce proceedings and they renewed their vows in his office. And on the Sunday, between the Friday and the Monday that he had the job offer, he was at one of our five campuses just scheduled there. And he thought, oh, we're doing the baptism. I'm going to walk out and see how the baptisms are going. And he said, when I walked out, Dad, there was this man and this woman that I had counseled with, and they were getting baptized together. And he said, I had this thought, this is what I was born to do. This is what my purpose is. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What, what's your purpose? Why are you here specifically? No matter what your career is or no matter what your job is, why are you here? What is going to be different in the world because you are here? There's something specific. There's a purpose. It's a life calling. It's for you. You were born for a reason. God wired your DNA, your physical and your spiritual DNA. There's a reason you're here. I want to encourage you to pursue that purpose, to pursue God.
so you'll know and live in that purpose. And we want to pray for you today, today. If you're going through any difficulty, finances, health, job, marriage, family, children, relationships, maybe you're not married, there's a relational issue that you're going through or something at work or something even to know your purpose. Maybe you just want someone to agree with you. I really want to spend that time with God and I want to hear God as clearly as Pastor Robert said he heard God. I want to hear God that clearly. I want to be able to write down my life purpose. We want to pray with you. So no matter which campus you're attending or if you're in an overflow room, we want to pray with you. So in just a moment, we're going to have one more worship song. During that worship song, if you need prayer for any reason at all, no matter which campus you're attending, if you need prayer, then I want, I want you to come. Just come to the front of the campus or the front of the room and just say, I need prayer. If you're in the second level at Southlake, I think you probably heard me say this before. Maybe this is your first time though. We'll have people to pray with you on the second level by all the exits. So we want to make it easy. If you need prayer for any reason at all, as we worship, you come, okay? Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person at every campus that needs someone to agree in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.